Welcome to the sermon podcast from Compass Church. The audio you're about to hear is a sermon from Pastor Craig Kidder given on March 7, 2021, and is from our sermon series on the book of Proverbs. For more information, check out compassefc.com. For now, enjoy this message from Craig as he unpacks what Proverbs has to say about the often complicated parent and adult child relationship. Likely, you have parents, okay? And it if the odds that you're a little bit like me, it, it may be difficult to get along with those parents. Nope, just me. Okay, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Mom and Dad, I love you. I know you're watching. When Amy and I first got married, we had lots of friends with adult kids. And if I'm being honest, I hung out with our friends with adult kids and I legitimately said, I don't know if I want to have kids. Like, this is kind of anecdotal, but almost everybody we ran into, there was tension. There were struggles. There was heartache. There was pain. It's, it's almost like in parenting, you pay your way in pain, right? Oh, yeah. They may not be excited to be here, but that got some all right, folks at home. Parenting is hard, and, and, and it doesn't get easier once your kids fly the nest. So today, we're going to start asking some questions. If Christianity really is a new way to be human, does this new way to be human offer us anything when it comes to adult children and adult parents? Is there any hope for us when it comes to adult kids getting along with adult parents? You know, if we're being honest, sometimes it can feel like Christianity kind of puts obstacles in the way. Okay? Let me just, before you, your heresy alarms go off, hang on, just relax. Here's what I mean by that. Paul, when he writes to the Ephesians, right, he, he talks about the gospel, the first three chapters. Then he starts talking in the next chapter about two big themes. Unity and holiness. Unity and holiness. Each one of those is easy without the other. Okay? So it's really easy to be unified if we don't care about holiness. Right? Who cares what you do? We just like each other. It's great. No, we, don't need to get, we don't need to talk about all these things. We just get along. That's great. We've got unity. Or, hey, it's super easy to be holy if I just disagree with people. Let's just saw them off the branch. But Paul says, no, no, no. Hey, hey, new humanity, new community, let's do both. And that creates tension. And if there's anywhere where we feel that tension, it's with adult kids and adult parents. So, Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you my punchline up early, okay? We're going to talk to kids for a little bit. We're going to talk to parents for a little bit. Who, what should we start, who should we start with? What do you want to start with? Let's start with parents. Because, okay, parents, there's really good news for you at the end of this message, okay? I, if you need to, send this sermon to your adult kids, okay? Be like, hey, I, I'm just, you should hear what our pastor says about adult kids and parents, okay? This is, you're going to like it. All right, hang in there, though. Here's what we're going to say, though. 
for parents and kids that knew how the new humanity does parenting primarily is like this. Parents become students of your children. Know your children. Enter their world so that you can help them like God. Yes, your kids have free will. They are their own human being. You can't make them follow Jesus. You can't. And everybody in here who's tried said, amen. You can't make them follow, but you can make them like God. How? Become a student of your kids. Kids, adult kids, here's what the Bible says about how we should relate to our parents. Ready? We are to financially support them in their sunset years. I believe that is a non-negotiable of the Christian faith. I told you you were going to like it. All right? So kids, parents. Let's start with parents. All right? Well, let's pray. Oh, wait. Whew. Hang on. Everybody okay? We're still here. Okay? Here's what we're going to do. This, uh, this right here, this number, we, we have no doubt that God is working in this place. Oh, okay. All right. And one of the ways that God works as we preach the Bible is his spirit moves in us and stirs up questions, stirs up applications, stirs up thoughts. And so we don't want you to leave those thoughts in your head. Free those thoughts, okay? So this number right here, what's 660? Is that like Sedalia? Did I say that name right? That's how you say it. It's not like Sedalia, you know, Versailles, right? Come on, Missouri. We can do better. All right? Versailles. There we go. All right, this number right here, we have no doubt that this talk will stir up questions, will stir up thoughts, and we believe that's God working. So we want you to text us, get out your phones, make sure they're on vibrate, okay? Lots of good songs have been ruined because you set them as your ringtone. We're not going to do that this morning, okay? Leave your phone on vibrate. But as God's working in your heart and soul, just text, ask questions. Be like, hey, what does this look like? And here's what we're going to do. On Wednesday nights, at what time? 6.30. We gather in here in large groups, we spread out, and we're going to discuss some of the questions that you wrestled with, okay? So we believe, we believe that we learn best in community, and we're going to model that this morning. You're going to ask questions, we're going to take some of those questions, and we're going to sort through them, and we're going to discuss them on Wednesday night for our midweek ministry night. Uh, and just keep in mind, this is not totally anonymous, okay? So like, you know... I don't know what questions you would ask. Like, did Tom Brady really deflate a football? We don't want any of those questions, all right? No trash questions, okay? Deflate gate's a sham, all right? Oh, tough crowd, all right. But that's what we're going to do. So if you have questions, let's pray, though. Before we jump into Scripture, let's ask for his help. Father, we really do believe you're working. You're here. Father, pray that you would help us to be receptive. Father, especially as we talk about adult kids and parents. God, give us grace. God, no one has arrived. No one can say, hey, I've been the ideal child. I'm a model here. I always get along with my parents and they love me and it's great. Father, help us to be a people of grace. People who hold the gospel with dirty hands. Who we're not loved and accepted because we're such great kids. But we can be life-giving kids, life-giving parents because of the love you've given us. I see all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're in the book of Proverbs. We're in the book of Proverbs. And part of the reason parenting is so hard is because we have this 
there's one proverb in particular that we have taken and it has created a lot of shame when it comes to parenting. It's created a lot of confusion when it comes to parenting. Uh, I think that for a lot of us, especially when we look at our kids, we look at our kids, we hear this proverb, and then we're like, oh, no, I'm not measuring up. Here it is. This is that proverb. And it has taken, uh, it's taken its toll on many of us in this room. Uh, for, for a lot of us, as parents, we hear these words... And we're just very, we're very aware of our shortcomings when we hear these words. And I just want to say, uh, I believe wholeheartedly it's, it's a misunderstanding. Okay? So you know this proverb. Uh, 22.6. All right? Proverbs 22.6. I don't know what your translations say. Let me read you from the NIV. Here we go. Ready? Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. That's the NIV. I believe the ESV says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Okay? That, I think, I have, well, I want to humbly say, okay, as an amateur Hebrew scholar, armchair expert, I want to say I have no idea how people got that, okay? Here's, let's just literally read what this verse says, okay? Let me literally read it to you. This is what it literally translates to. Rub date juice in the eyes of a young boy concerning his way, and even when he grows old, he will not turn away from it. Okay? Rub date juice in the eyes of a young boy, and when he is old, he will not turn away from it. That is literally what this verse says. Okay? You're like, what is happening here? All right? Let's talk about some translation options. We're going to come back to this Darko. Can everyone say Darko? Darko. Nobody can say Darko. Two syllables. Ready? Darko. Yes, that's where all the controversy lies. Okay, here's some options for how we should translate this verse. Option number one. If you're a good parent, you'll get good kids. Okay? Has anybody heard that that's what this proverb means? All right? Train up a child in the way they should go. So if you do things right, if you parent your kid well, if you you don't listen to Bruno Mars and you listen to Adventures in Odyssey on car rides, if you really do, like, do all the right things, your kids are going to turn out great. All right? That's how that verse often gets understood, okay? And there's a problem that that verse runs into, and that problem is called reality, okay? There are lots of parents who have done it right. They have they have stayed up while their teenage kids sneak out at night and just prayed, poured out their hearts to God. They have lovingly entered their kid's world. They know their kid. They love their kid. And their kid still goes off and is a bozo. And then they hear this verse. And what options are we left with? This is one option. You say, well... 
These are proverbs, right? They're not promises. They're proverbs. So, you know, generally, if you were to train up a child right, on the whole, they'll turn out okay. That's one option, okay? Lots of people believe that. That's an option. Here's option number two. Option number two. Raise children in ways that are appropriate to how individual children learn. Okay? And that, that option is from Darko. Remember your favorite word? Uh, the, the, the name Derek comes from this word. The, the Hebrew is Derek, and it means way. Literally what this verse says, it does say rub date juice on the eyes of a kid, but it, that idea of rubbing date juice, it was a ceremonial aspect where it was you're dedicating, it was a dedication ceremony. So you're dedicating, dedicate a young boy concerning his way. So that's that, that word that circled means his way. I have no idea why or how the ESV translates that according to the way he should go. They add a ton of words when it literally just says according to his way. So a lot of folks, uh, including probably the best Hebrew scholar ever, thebomb.com, Bruce K. Walkie, he translates it like this. Dedicate a youth according to what his way dictates, and even when he's old, he will not depart from it. Okay, so here, here's what, if this, this idea of this verse is right, it's saying this, hey, all your kids are different. So for some kids, there's going to be a disciplinary method that really works, right? Like taking away a toy is going to just, they're going to learn that lesson really fast. Other kids, you can take away toys, and they, it's just more and more of a challenge, and it becomes more and more of a fight, and you're like, ah! But it's saying, dedicate a youth, so say, hey, we're going to learn to follow God, and I'm going to study you, know who you are, and I'm going to help you in ways that are appropriate to you, follow God. That's one option. Here's the last option, okay, of what this verse means, and what it means, train up a child according to his own way, here's what that could mean. If you don't lovingly and carefully help your kids see the destructive nature of temper tantrum, stealing, crying to get their way, breaking daddy's glasses just to see what he'll do, cheating, lying, throwing things at people, coloring on walls they don't own or maintain, and let them do whatever they want, guess what? That's one possible interpretation of this passage, is if you train up a child according to his own way, you let him do, it's like, you know, free-range parenting. I know that's a thing. I'm not trying to like, I don't know what that means. But let's just say it's like, hey, we're going to let our kid, let our kid be their guide, right? Like, they know what's up. You know, they've, they've, they're four. They, they know the ways of the world. They seem to be wise. They know what would parent them well. Let's just let them loose on the world and see what happens. If you do that, you will be like a kid that was on a flight. Amy and I were on a flight from Taiwan to Beijing, Beijing to Taiwan. We were on some flight somewhere in Asia, and... The Antichrist was on this flight. <laughs> this kid was like this big. I mean, he was behind my sister-in-law pulling her hair. He was like hitting people. He slapped his mom across the face. I couldn't believe it, right? You're just watching this kid. Like, whoa. We get, we land, I think in China, and we see this kid running, and we see like armed guards chasing him, right? And you're just like, whew, that, that, that was like 10 years ago. I have no idea where that kid is now. I don't think it's going to be good. All right, I don't, I don't think he had a bright future ahead of him. And I don't know his circumstances. I'm not trying to make fun of it. That's what that verse could be talking about. Okay? Here's what I think Proverbs 22.6 says. I think it's option two. Raise children in ways that are appropriate to how individual children learn. And what happens if we do that? 
when they're old, they won't depart from it. What does that mean? If you understand your kids, help them be a student of how they work and operate, they will be, as an adult, a little more self-aware than they would have been had you just done this one-size-fits-all parenting. And look, one-size-fits-all parenting is fantastic, okay? It just doesn't work. I, have, I only have two kids. One is four, one is two. And I'm like, are you, you, you two, are you two related? Like, they're just like so wildly different. For one of them, just a look is like just shuts everything down. <laughs> For another one, it's like, I don't, we just gotta like lock you somewhere. I and mean, we're not gonna do the, don't But it's just like, I don't know how to contain this little guy. I mean, he just is all over the place. And so we can try one size fits all. I'll just yell, right? I feel better. That works. It doesn't really work, though. And how the new humanity does child rearing, does parenting, is we we need to be students of our children. Because that's how God was with his son in the Hebrew Bible. Ezekiel, Ezekiel talks about like he, Israel is, is wandering far from God and how God describes how he cared for Israel. He says, like a mother, I nursed you, I cared for you, I found you on the side of the road and I, I spent time with you. I was a loving, just dutiful parent. The way we raise our kids shows how in tune with reality we are with the character and nature of God. If we're afraid of God, and God is just someone who wants to keep us in line, then yeah, yell at your kids. Doesn't matter. That's how God is with us. That's not true. Jesus, Jesus, when he's weeping over Jerusalem, he says, how many times... Like a mother hen gathers her chicks under her wings. Psalm 2. How blessed is the one who finds shelter under the wings of the Most High. God is a loving, careful parent. And he knows you and he knows me. And so when we parent, those of us who have parents, when we, or have kids, when we parent in ways that are like that, we are reflecting God to our kids. We're showing them what he's like. When we take an interest in our kids, that's theological. When we say, I want to know you, I want, I, what are you like, what are you interested in? We're teaching them what God is like. I mean, would that be a stretch for your kids to be like, wait, God? God cares about me? I have no idea what that was. I think that was me. Did you guys hear that? That's my mom. No joke. I told her I was preaching about her. And I, mom, stop. <laughs> Don't worry. She's cool. She'll be cool with it. Love you, mom. I have no idea what I was going to say. Mom. Oh, yeah. Are we parenting in a way, are we parenting in ways that teach our kids that God actually is a life-giving source of love and joy. We're saying about joy this morning, right? If 2020 has taught us anything, it's taught us that life is a gift. 
a precious gift that's fragile. And like the writers of Proverbs, like the writers of Ecclesiastes, we should find joy in it. Do we delight in our kids? Do we have joy in our kids? You know, the father delights in his kids. Jesus, his public ministry, right? How was he introduced to the world? Heaven split open. This is my son in whom, literally, my soul delights. Can our kids say that about us? What are your kids like? Do they like Legos? Do they like princess movies? Who's their favorite Paw Patrol? Do you know? Are we students of our kids or are we just counting the days till they're out of the house and then we get to put a jacuzzi in what used to be their bedroom? One of the things that I have, I have gained from just being around people with adult children, they all say this. They all say this. They see, they see me with my kids and they go, it goes by so fast. Are you enjoying it? That's what Proverbs 22.6 is all about. Dedicate, dedicate a child concerning his way. Know your kids, who they are, what makes them tick. And then enter that world to help them love Jesus. And isn't that what the gospel is? The word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word did not stay off at a distance and yell instructions. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We get to participate. We get to be a picture of the gospel as we love and study our kids. That's way better than the alternative. Now, kids, all right? And some of you in here might be saying, well, hey, I don't have parents, I don't have kids, so none of this applies to me. And if that's you, welcome to the family, okay? Look around this room. There are going to be people that you can parent and people who you can be parented by, okay? But adult kids, here we go. You ready? Here's what I said earlier. We're going we're gonna to cash some checks I wrote earlier. The Ten Commandments, all right? I, the, honor your father and your mother, okay? What in the world does that mean to honor your father and your mother? I genuinely believe, I genuinely believe, I genuinely believe that that means support your parents' financially, okay? Here's where we get that. Uh, In Deuteronomy, when the Ten Commandments were given for a second time, think about who the original audience was. Middle-aged adults. The command to honor your parents was not given to children. It was given to middle-aged adults. Remember, the first generation sinned, and the second generation had to wait 40 years. So these are grown-ups, okay? We think... Honor your father and mother has something to do. We think it's about kids obey your parents because Paul in Ephesians 6 says, children obey your parents, okay? But what he's doing is he's just applying that commandment to a season of life. He's saying, hey, children who have no income, no discretionary income, 
What it looks like to honor your parents right now is obey them. But everybody else, what it looks like for grown-ups to honor your father and mother is to support them financially. Where in the world do we get that? Mark chapter 7. We're going to just venture away from Proverbs for a hot second. Mark chapter 7. Let me set up the context for you a little bit. Jesus is early in his public ministry. He's got his disciples and already there's tension between him and the religious leaders. So the religious leaders come and they see Jesus' disciples eating and they haven't washed their hands. And they're upset. Okay, and now this is not, this is not like, you know, you and I, that we all wash our hands before we eat, right? This is not like that. Uh, the, the Pharisees, uh, we know from like the Mishnah, they, what they would do is when they would walk in the world, the world was such a dirty, disgusting place, they would do all this ceremonial cleansing before they did anything afterward. It was a sign of their religious devotion. And the disciples didn't do that. And so they're ticked. And so they're saying like, hey, Jesus, we do this. How come your disciples don't? Right? Super life-giving group, right? Okay, and so here's how Jesus replies, and he's super sarcastic. Tell me if you can uh, pick up on it. This is Mark 7, verse 6. He replied, that's Jesus, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commandments of God and are holding to human traditions. And he, he continued, You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, Honor your father and mother. And anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares uh, what might have been used to help their father and mother is Corbin then you no longer let them do anything for their father and mother. Thus, you nullify the word of God by your traditions that you've handed down. And you do many things like that. All right, Corbin. What is Corbin? Think about the, the, in those days, it was an agrarian society. So people made their money mostly through like livestock and farming and things like that. And so you have these situations where let's say you're 30 you own two fields, okay? And you're like, hey, I've got all I need from field one. I'm going to take field two, and I'm going to make that Corbin, okay? So that will be dedicated to God. I'll still work it, but everything I harvest from that field, I'm going to give to God. I'm going to dedicate it to the temple so the priests can eat, so we can use it for worship, right? Corbin, gift of God is what it means, okay? So here's, though, what the Pharisees started doing, okay? Super fun group, all right? They started doing this. So you're, you're a Pharisee. We know from Luke's gospel they're super rich, right? So you have two cows. You hear through the grapevine that your dad's cow died. All right? Here's what you do. Uh, I don't, I don't want to give my dad my cow, so I'll Corbin my cow for like six months. Okay? So you were allowed to Corbin anything as long or as short as you wanted to. So you have two cows. You Corbin your cow for six months. Dad comes by. Hey, son. Hey, Dad. How are you? Oh, not good. You know, Bessie kicked the bucket, and uh, we were just wondering, could we use could we use your cow? Oh, you just missed it, Dad. I just corbined her. So sorry. Okay, thanks. 
That is what the Pharisees were doing. And it looks super religious, right? Like they're honoring God, right? Like, hey, I'm just super spiritual. I can't help my parents because I'm giving to God. And Jesus says that they're worse off. It doesn't do any good. They're in bad company. All right? That's one example. Flip with me to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 5. Your translations might not say, but the word in verse 3, when it says give proper recognition, same word, timao, honor. It's used, coincidentally, in uh, verse 17, where it says the elders who direct the affairs of the church uh, well. So if pastors do a good job pastoring. They're worthy of double honor. See, that's financial, right? So just like Jesus is talking finances with the Pharisees, Paul picks it up as talking finances. Here's what he says, though. Give proper recognition, so honor, widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn first of all to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents. For this is pleasing to God. The widow who is really in need and left all alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray to ask God for help. But the widow who lives for pleasure is dead even while she lives. Give the people these instructions so that no one may be open to blame. Okay, this is really important. All right, verse 8. Whoever does not provide for their relatives, especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. I heard that passage for many years talking about if, you don't, if you're like a, a mom or a dad and you don't provide for your kids. But as Dr. Don Sanukian points out, no, 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 that's backwards. It's not talking about providing adults providing for your kids. It's talking about adults providing for your adult parents. It's going up, not down the ladder. You guys see that? Talking about care for widows. Whoever doesn't care for their parents has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Paul is funny. Paul is winsome. He's very good at turn of phrase. He's sarcastic. We like Paul. He does not mince words here. He is to the point. This is a very big deal to Paul. If we don't care for our parents, if we don't honor our parents through financial support, we have denied the faith. Okay. All the adult parents in the room said, Amen. Let me, let me be with kids for a second. You're like, how in the world am I supposed to do that? Do you know how much nursing homes cost? All right. There are challenges. But if we piece together Timothy and we piece together Mark, we have a way forward. Here's what I believe that both Jesus and Paul are teaching here when it comes to how we honor our adult parents. Is that Instead of tithing to church, if you are in a situation where you need to care for your adult parents, it is better that you take the money that would have gone to church and use that to take care of your parents in their sunset years. Can you just, just picture it for a second? Can you imagine the Apostle Paul? He's going all around Asia. He's going everywhere. He, you know, everyone's like, we love that guy. He's super great. And you're like, where's his mom? Oh, she lives on some corner somewhere. 
she, yeah, she had, she had needed a hip replacement, and so she's just, you know, one cup at a day saving up change to get that hip replacement. She's destitute. Paul's saying that is living in such a way where you're so disjointed from the nature and character of God that you're missing the point. Again, just like parents with their kids reflect the nature and character of God, when parents enter their sunset years, we can reflect that back to them. We can say, hey, mom and dad, you are not, you are not one surgery away from being homeless. Is Medicare going to be there? No. <laughs> but I will. I'm your safety net. I have parents, and uh, this is them. And uh, I have no, I just, I, this was the 80s. I have no idea what my parents were thinking. I'm like, why, why am I not wearing pants in that picture? <laughs> like, you got dressed up. You went to JCPenney. Like, you know, you did your like, you know, why, what? You just forgot the pants? I have no idea what's going on with, I have no idea what's wrong with my parents. But these are my parents, okay? And, and uh, I called my parents kind of in preparation as I was preparing this. And we started talking. And I was like, hey, mom and dad. Was I an easy kid to raise? And they just started laughing. Which I don't know what that means yet. And I was like, well, and this is what they kept saying. Well, you weren't a bad kid. They kept saying that, right? You weren't a bad kid. I was like, well, so what? But I was your favorite. Ah, uh, you know, just a lot of that, right? So my parents and I just, just and they, I have their permission to say this. Don't worry. Uh, we could not be more different Okay, like, we, like if there's two options, we see things six different ways, okay? My, my parents listen to Barry Manilow, okay? <laughs> they have no idea who these people are. We don't, we don't think about anything the same, all right? Theology, politics, you, like just the things that you argue with your parents or your kids about, my parents and I, we go head to head all the time. Like probably the question they get so sick of hearing from me, I'm like, who told you that? Where did you hear that, right? We just go round and round and right? I'm like, I have four adopted siblings. And I'm always asking my parents, like, are you sure it wasn't five? Like, was I, are we related? Like, how, how does this work, right? I, who are you people? You know what, though? My parents, my parents do not question whether I, or not I love them. How do you know that, Craig? Well, I'll tell it. Thank you for asking. When you look your parents in the eye and you say to them, Mom and Dad, Amy and I have committed to taking care of you. No matter what happens, we got you. Like, you, you do not, Dad, anything happens to you, we got Mom. Mom, anything happens to you, Jen's got Dad. Just kidding. Love you, Dad. All right? When you look at your parents and you say that to them, you can talk about anything. You can talk Trump. It's great. Why? Because there's love. Look, like, it's, I have no idea what's going to happen with the economy. I have no idea how people, you know, we're living longer, how people retire. The safety net feels like it's pretty thin ice. And God so wired the church 
to be a safety net. And you're like, I don't have any kids. First Timothy talks about that. It says, we'll take care of you as a church. We'll be your family. People with adult parents. Paul, this is why it's such a big deal. Because the reputation of the church is at stake with it. Are we a place that tells people, love your neighbor. I have no idea how my parents eat food. But you love your neighbor. How we care for our adult parents is the gospel with skin on it. And look, it might cost you. It might. You may not be able to drive new cars. You may not be able to get that backsplash you wanted. But God has promised to provide and care for us when we step out in faith. When we say, God, this is how you've wired family to be, I trust you. He doesn't abandon us when we step out in faith. It might look different than you expected, but you sleep way better. Look, adult kids, I get it. I get it. Parents are difficult. I totally get it. This was my mom's, oh, she's going to, I won't show, we were FaceTime, we recorded all these interviews, so we'll find a way to share them with you guys, but we recorded the interview for Sunday, and like a total boomer, me, I recorded it, it was great, like, just like, you know, totally showed my mom and my relationship, I was so excited, no sound, right? Like, you know, now I have to like fake this conversation, but with my mom, I was like, mom, was I easier, was I easier to be around as a, as a, as a kid, or was I easier to be around as an adult? And she's like, Craig, are you going to show people this? I was like, yeah, yeah, just, what are you going to say? She's like, I don't know. You're just, you're just a difficult person. And I was like, no, okay, all right, mom, but tell them, tell them the, the flip side of that, right? She's like, but we work at it. We haven't arrived, but we love each other. Look, and I give it right back to my mom. We were at a wedding a while ago, and someone said, oh, my gosh, I can't believe, is Bonnie your mom? You're so lucky, like, that's such a blessing. She's so wise. And I was like, that Bonnie? And, you know, we have that kind of relationship, okay? But look, if we, if we, as a church family, really committed, if we really put our money where our mouth was and said, hey, yeah, my adult parents, they don't understand my world. We go back and forth. Barry Manilow, I don't get it. But I love and care for them. When we have conversations with other friends our age, there's, it's, whoa, this is different. This is a new way to be human. It's the gospel with skin on it. A huge, a huge question the Bible is asking is what do you do with power? I'm dipping into our next series after Proverbs a little bit here. It's a huge question the Bible is asking. On the opening page of Scripture, we see God, he's super powerful, right? He's creating, he's speaking, things are happening, boom, boom, boom. What does he do with that power? He shares it. He says, hey, men and women, you rule this planet. Jesus, powerful, right? The ancient of days, son of man. What does he do? He washes his disciples' 
feet. 20-somethings, 30-somethings. Columbia's 40 under 40. What do we do with our influence, with our power? We love the generation that came before us. We let them know that we will take care of them no matter what it costs. We're dedicated to their good. Why? Because we have a God who's dedicated to our good. And no matter what we walk into, he's promised to provide. So no matter what they walk into, we can be Jesus' hands and feet and an expression of the presence and the power of God. I wish it was almost Thanksgiving. But Easter, you'll be around the Easter table with your parents. Just let me know how it goes, that conversation, when you tell them. Let me know what they say. Jesus, thank you for your love, your care, your provision. God, this is a, this is a hard teaching. But God, I pray that what you command, you'd also provide. Thank you for the gospel, for the good news that all the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus. We ask in his powerful name, amen.